And I want to talk to you about putting God first. Say when we say, put God first. How many of you know that we need to put God first in everything we do? And so this morning, let's, let's get honest. Let me, let me just start out. There. How many of you like things? Do you just like stuff? Come on. How many of you, I, you Pastor Bubba, I just love stuff. Come on. I mean, you, you, you say, Pastor Bubba, I'm just a recovering stuff addict. That's just, you know, that's just it. You know, um, I'll just say this. I like new stuff, but I like new hunting stuff. And my wife, you know, she'll go to my, in, in my, where my shed is, and Luke and I have all our hunting equipment and our, our guns, our, our, our outfits, our boots. And she goes, don't you have enough? And I'm like, you don't understand. And, uh, you know, in the wor- I think that, you know, I-, I think one of the worst things that ever happened to some of you that like stuff is Amazon Prime logo. Because I don't, I don't get on it. If I need something, I tell my wife. But I know this is that some of you, you go, you know, Pastor Bob, it's just one click. Even by accident, sometimes I click. But the good thing about it, it's two-day shipping free. Not only that, I mean, Amazon is always cheaper and it makes me feel good about buying more stuff. And so, uh, you know, the Bible mentions the topic of money and possessions. Think about this over 2,300 times. That's a lot. And so, uh, why? God really cares about, he cares about you. He cares about money. He cares about your heart. He cares about the things we do. How many, how many parents do we have in here this morning? Come on, we have parents. How many of you know children are perfect until they're about 18 months old? And they learn one word. And the word is, mine. They get a toy, mine. They get the channel control, mine. Mine, 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 mine. You know, and so, you know, it's like I find it ironic that the first sin that many of, that most of us commit is called selfishness. Let me, let me, let's be honest. You know, this is just, this house of God, and we don't want to be fake here. Because it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. How many of you have dealt with selfishness in your life? Look, we all have, and we all do. You see, I believe since we want to be influential, selfless, caring, generous, we couldn't be talking about a more important subject. And so what last week, last two weeks ago when I, I spoke, I spoke about the scarcity cycle. You remember? God supplies, we consume, and when we consume, we lack, and then we fear, and then what happens, God supplies, we consume, and it just, it's like the cycle. It's like madness. And so the scarcity cycle starts in the mind and not in the wallet. Remember that. Because what scarcity really means, the root word is scared. How many ever just been scared? Ah! Did you hear that noise? No. Did you, did you see that? No. Someone go around the corner and go, ah, ah! You know? I remember one day, you know, uh, my, son, he, my son, Zach, he, he loves to scare people. And so... You know, he, he has my, my sister-in-law, uh, Bernetta, that used to come here. She moved and stuff. And so uh, she would come, and one night he saw her, and she was getting something out. And him and I think Jordan were out, like, behind the thing. And literally, they went around the corner. They came out, and it was dark. And she, they, they went, oh! And she went, oh! And it was like she wilted, you know? So he's coming to the house one day, and he didn't know that I'm around the corner. He's coming in for lunch, you know? And all of a sudden... You know, he thinks, you know, I, you know, 
he, well, he's, gonna, he's hiding. He's going to scare me. And so I'm like, you know, I'm walking in, and, and all of a sudden, I'm walking in for lunch, and he's around the corner. And all of a sudden, I walk around the corner, and he goes, ah! And I went, ah! Like that. No, Dad! Because I'm just, I, I'm not one of these guys, I'm just going to load on you until you identify. It's like going deer hunting. Do you kill Bambi unless he identifies himself? Bambi's fa- grandfather will be shot. That's all I got to say. But anyway, let me get into the message. Scarcity cycles starts in the mind and not in the wallet. Proverbs says this in 23.7. As a man thinks, so he is. As a person thinks, looks, as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You know, every choice in life is tied to your thinking. You know, talk about what you think. Uh, if, 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 it isn't what we, if it isn't what you do, we start, we start to think, why? Scarcity is a mindset, not a bank account problem. It starts between your ears. You see, today I want to look at the story where Jesus fed 5,000 people. Not only did that, but you need to know a little bit about the context of what happened the context of first, he actually fed between fifteen to 20,000 people because what happens is the Jews would only count adult males, and there was 5,000. And I mean, wherever you find a male, you find a female with kids running around. Come on. Okay, you get teen, all kinds of ages and all those kind of things. And so what happens is that what Jesus is about to preach and feed the equivalent of an NBA stadium. Think about that. And what happens, that's the crowd. So Mark chapter 6, verse 34 through 38, if you want to turn there, or you look on your sheet, on your notes, or or you can look up here. And and let me just begin to read. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Say it when you say compassion. That means your heart's moved. And he said, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already getting very late. Basically, they're saying, Lord, send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You imagine that? Say, what? And he said, they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Next question. Let me ask you one. What do you have? He answered, go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Two mindsets. One was thinking buy, and the other was thinking give. Set me, say buy, say give, give. We're going to talk about those two months. So scarcity, there's not enough. It's going to run out. You just don't know, don't even have enough to feed themselves. It's laughable how little there is and how much we need. You see, have you ever been there? You finally get to where you really want to be, then something expensive breaks. Come on, the refrigerator, the, the, the truck, the bass boat. Wives are going, I've been praying for that. Anyway, just all these different things. And so what, what is not enough? Thank you, baby. I got the sniffles. So y'all mind? I'll turn around. 
Put that in my pocket so you don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> it's laughable how little there is. And so what happens is, have you ever, you know, please hear me. I'm not dismissing circumstances. Sometimes things just happen. Come on. That are out of our control. And so it's, it, I'm just saying if, if, if you're not careful, the never enough mindset will become part of your perspective for everything you do and, and the way you see everything. Are you hearing me? For the re- and see, and it'll be like that for the rest of your life. See, what I'm sharing with you this morning, it's not a one-time you know, get it message. This is a lifetime message. This is a lifetime message that we need to kind of get in our hearts and get in our spirits, and this is when, how we begin to live. We don't live like our Savior's church people. We live for the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? And so what happens is abundance, there's more than enough. Say more than enough. I like that. Say more than enough. You see, there's something having more and there's something about having more. And see, Jesus viewed, that, uh, Jesus viewed that was available through the vastly different lenses. He saw things different than the disciples saw. What do you have? Jesus can work with what you have. Amen? He just can work with Matthew says it like this in 1420. He said, they all ate and were what? And the disciples picked up how many baskets? Of broken pieces that were left over. I believe that the reason God had them pick up, and there was 12 baskets, and there was 12 disciples. He gave them each a basket and go, you see what I can do? Not only can I provide for you and have leftover, but I got a whole basket just for you too. And so what happens here, you see, scarcity begins, you know, disciples viewed the five loaves and the two fishes as not enough, but Jesus viewed it, viewed it as there's more than enough than what you need right here. And see, for some of us, you go, well, Pastor Bubba, I don't have enough to do what I feel like God's. No, God can use what you got. Are you hearing me? I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to give you some life stories. But here it is. Scarcity. See, scarcity asks the question, what can I afford? Come on, you ever been there? What can I afford? Abundance asks, what do I have? There's a big mind, different mindset. See, because there's more than what, what we, where that came from. And see, there's, there's a couple, there's a lady, she's a single mom, her name's Kelly, and she lived, she, uh, she didn't have a bed for two years. Because she wouldn't sleep in her bed for two years because she had two children, she's a single mom, and she allowed her children to sleep on the bed while she slept on the floor. They didn't have much, they didn't have much furniture at all. And so what happened is, is a couple began, heard about, what Kelly's fight. So Stan and Libby, they bought a bed. Not only did they buy a bed for Kelly, but they bought a dining room table and a couch and a bed for Kelly. But the cool thing is Kelly found out that she had a neighbor two, down, two doors down that was fixing to have a baby, and she didn't have a rocking chair. So Kelly, that was a single mom that slept on the floor for two years, didn't have a dining room table, didn't have a couch, had a rocking chair, and she said, I'm going to give it to her. She gave with what she had. How many of you know that a lot of us have some stuff we wouldn't miss if we learned to listen to God and just give it the way God wants us to give it? Because here's the thing. It's not about you just going out and giving something, feeling good about yourself. It's about us hearing what God's telling us to do with what we have. Amen? 
And so what happens is, it's just a, see, God's economy and the kingdom of God is very different than the world's economy. When we follow Jesus, he completely redefines what can be done with a little bit. Say a little bit. See, if you don't mind, I want to do an experiment, okay? And it's called this. How many of you know what this is? It's a dollar. How many of you know? I can buy a few things. With, I can buy Coke with this dollar. I can buy a pack of gum with this dollar. I can't go to the movies with the dollar. Come on. But I know what some of y'all do because everything, when you go to the movies, it's not even enough to buy what's in the movies. So you go to the grocery store and you buy the stuff and you stuff it in your pockets or your purse. Then you go to the movie. Come on. And everybody said, all right, y'all been doing that. I'm not here. That's another story for another time. So what happens is with this dollar, see, here's, here's my, here's, I want to do an experiment with you. How many of you know you got maybe just a dollar? And you've never given, and you go, it's, it's, I want you to participate this morning. You can go to Our Savior's Church text and dial in. What you do when you text, you can do 7797, and you go to that site, and you're going to give a dollar, and it'll tell you what to do, how to do with the dollar. Or you can give an envelope this morning and just go the test. And I'll let you know how many people last week gave a dollar. Is that all right? It's only a test. It's just, it's just a, a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay, because I'm going somewhere with this. See, if you view life through the lens of scarcity, you're always going to be fearful. You're always going to be anxious. Jesus has a much different plan for you. Amen? John 10 says, The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But he said, But I came that you may have life, and I love this, and you have it abundantly. You know what that word abundantly means? It means overwhelm, a flood coming to you that God desires. I studied that God desires to bless you in such a way that you're just overwhelmed with his abundance and it's, it's without end. You imagine, how many would like to have that? See, everything about God is excessive. excessive. What do you mean? Why do so many people miss out on God's abundant life? I just want to talk about two things this morning, I'm, and I'm going to talk about those two things. I'm going to put a pray, and I'm going to put a bow on it this morning for you, all right? And so this morning, if you're taking notes, number one is God multiplies, listen to me, what is blessed. Say it me, say blessed. You see, Mark chapter 6, verses 40 through 41, it says, like, they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and they took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven... He blessed the food. Returning, and he said, returning the tithe releases God's blessings. Amen? Malachi, what I shared two weeks ago, Malachi says this, 3.10, bring the whole tithe, and it has to be the first. And here's the thing. It's the first. It's the first of everything you have. You get your check, it's the first. You don't look what you have, you go, this is God's, the first, the best. This is what I give. This is mine. God, it's my way, and it's an act of worship because I put you first in my life, and so this is what I'm doing. Are you hearing me? And what happens is when you do that, all of a sudden God's able to bring blessing. And so he says, into, he says uh, you hold tight into the storehouse. We talked about the storehouse is the, is the place where you worship your church, your home church, and we're able, what we're able to do with that in the storehouse to be able to bless community, but not only the community, but that people's lives can be changed in the storehouse. Amen? 
And so what happens is it goes on. It says, and it says, and it says that there may be food in my house. Test me. And I tell you, that's the only place in the scripture where it says, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw out the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. There will not be room enough to store it. Floodgates of heaven, that means an absorbent amount. It's like, it's like nothing was, can't, think about Noah. How many of you know that was a lot of rain? The Bible says there was nothing that was untouched by the flood. Noah was in the, in the ark with his three sons, his, his daughter-in-laws, and his wife. And somehow cats made it. I don't know. Uh, but that's a whole other message. And uh, God's saying there's more than you can imagine. It's held in reserve in heaven like a massive lake behind a dam. God's, how many of you believe God's not stingy? Ooh, see, y'all, none of y'all raising your hands. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you believe God's not stingy? Oh, that's matter. Okay. God's not stingy, but here, here's the thing I want you to understand is that he's not saying he's only going to do this when we pay up. He, he doesn't need the cash. If you're worried about if God needs the cash or things aren't going to happen, just stick your, your money further deeper in your pocket. If you think it's just about a money mis- uh, message, we, I don't... I don't need it. We don't need it. But I want you to hear us. He's not saying just go. He doesn't need the cash. What he's saying is that you can trust us with the abundance of heaven when our faith is put into action in the tithe. And the tithe shows that he is first in our heart. Does that make sense? And so what happens? What is? Let me ask. What's in heaven? Well, God, Pastor. No, let me tell you what, he's there. You know what's in heaven? The undiluted presence of God. Overwhelming peace. How many of you ever experienced peace? But how many you know in heaven it's overwhelming? Unconditional joy. Abundant provision. There's no one, you don't have to go look out your back door in heaven and someone taking the gold from your little sidewalk in heaven. Gold is asphalt in heaven. Okay, come on. There's no worries. There's peace that passes all understanding. We can't even fathom it. You see, I, I reminded of a, of a story about a couple named Zach and Ashley, and they started actually tithing. Not tipping God, but tithing. And what happened is, all of a sudden, things begin to change in their marriage. They begin to get closer, they had more intimacy. Not only did, did they do that, but when they come to church and when they would begin to worship, they would begin to cry. And somehow what the Bible said made more sense to them than it had ever made before. And they said this, I feel close to God. I just feel close to God. See, this is the abundance of heaven. How many of us, how many of you want that? Something like that. Our souls are created for this. If you feel stuck in your faith journey, let me just say, tithing isn't, it isn't a part of your life. You do it, and it becomes part of your life. If it becomes part of your life, you do it, and all of a sudden you watch your faith will skyrocket. See, Zach and Ashley are experiencing in their lives, not just in their finances. You know, some of you need revival in your finances. Amen? You say, man, man my checkbook needs revival, you know? 
it keeps going down in the red. But I'm not, I'm not just talking about, see, they begin to experience not just in their finances. See, the challenge, stop tipping God and start tithing and experience what God can do. Either you believe God wants to open up the floodgates of heaven or you don't. Amen? Thanks for all those amens. The second is this. God multiplies what's given away. What do you mean? For some of you, this may be an aha moment. Aha! Ding! The light goes off. You never watch the cartoons. Bing! You like it. Oh, idea. Aha moment. See, he gives, he gives, here's what happened. He gives thanks and he breaks the loaves. Then he gave it, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Where did the miracle happen? There isn't a single mention in the four Gospels that tell the story that multiplication happened right after he blessed it. It's right after. He blessed it. Even the bread and the fish fed. Think about this. 20,000 people. How many of you know that's a lot of folk? That's a lot of people. Can I just expound on that story? That'd be like, you know, whistling. Come on. Fish and loaves, corporation. Fish and chips. Y'all, come on. Yeah, how many you ever been to big events and they have Chick-fil-A and, and, and they have the boxes and they give them out? Remember when I used to go to uh, Promise Keepers and, man, they would just get, I mean, they would feed 30,000 men like that. But it was Jesus blessed it and all of a sudden, you imagine, massive. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, like, that's like us pulling out of a big old, we have these big old pot that the church has. It's like cooking a jambalaya Then God just, just multiplies that thing. You see, the miracle happened the moment the food left the disciples' hand. You see, for some of us, we're going, God, use me. How many ever prayed this? God, use my hands, use my feet, use my mouth, use me. See, if you live a life that's blessed, as soon as it leaves your hand, that's when the miracles happen. Sometimes God just wants you to show up at a hospital. Sometimes God just wants you to show up, not just at a hospital, but God wants you to show up in your friend's life. Sometimes it's just making a phone call. Hey, you were on my heart. I've been thinking about you. It's just showing up. It's making a step towards what God, you feel God's telling you to do. Amen? Because see, it's not about our Savior's church. It's about the kingdom of God. That's what's important. It's Jesus' kingdom. See, much of, of, of the life of a follower of Jesus is completely counterintuitive to the world. I mean, it's totally different than the world. How many of you know we should be different than culture? I mean, we have things that are saying, when you find your, when you find your, you find your life when you lose it. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, as soon as you come and you say, God, I don't need to run my life anymore. Here's the keys. You tell me where to go. You tell me how to live. I want to learn to hear your voice so I can do what you want me to do. All right, great, listen, the greatest will be first who lays down his life to serve. How about this one? Love your enemies. Boy, that's a, come on. How many of you know that will put you to the test? You mean mama? She's mean, Pastor Bubba. I like this one. Do good to those who hate you. Boy, isn't that a good one? I like this one. Bless those who curse you. 
Come on. You ever, I, I mean, the other day I was pulling into the, uh, where I go fill up my gas tank, and I was pulling in, and as I was pulling in, all of a sudden, there was, I, I just about to get my truck good where you can put the gas little lever thing and put it in, fill up your truck, and this girl, she's just coming in, listening to the radio, you know, she pulls in, and it's like she's kind of like wanting my space, and I'm like fighting, I'm like, man, I just need to go up just a tiny bit, well, you, you even going the wrong way, I'm thinking in my mind, come on. Come on, you ever been in a situation like that? At first you're going, Dad, you know? But you know what? I can say, I, I just said, you know what? I put it in reverse and I go, she's going to have it. She's going to have it. When I talk about, you know, unselfish, listen, my wife and I, we had our two grandchildren, my son's in from, from Katy, Texas, and him and his wife, and somehow my wife volunteered us to, Watch the two granddaughters. She's unselfish. I like my sleep. First night, I mean, it was, they're not in here, but anyway, it was, it was like the night from hell. I mean, I got up Saturday morning, I go, how was it? And she's just like, shh. It was rough. You ever that where you're both tired and you just want to you hug each other and you go, God bless you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was one of those nights. But she's unselfish. Then last night, I mean, I got to get up early in the morning and preach, you know. I usually get up real early in, on Sunday mornings just to go over my message and prepare. And <laughs> Somehow, at 1244, because I feel it, my granddaughter's in the bed with us. And the reason I know at 1244, she kicked me. And I looked at the, at, at the, at the clock, you know. And it's like, but, I, you know, it's just being unselfish. Just unselfish. I'm the kind of guy, oh, God. I mean, I'm, I, when, we, when my babies used to cry, I'll be honest. I'm just, this God knows. I go, she'll get them. They say, if I had a Velcro breast, baby, I'd take care of them, but I ain't got I ain't got what they need. I had all kinds of excuses. I was selfish. Can I just be honest with you? You see, Proverbs 11 says, it's one person gives freely, it gains more. I love this. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You ever notice that? If there's things in your life that you do, if you go and you go spend time with a friend or you spend time with someone's, it's, and it kind of got the mulligrups, just down. Somehow, God does that for you when you need that. Amen? Have you ever noticed if you let people go out, like you're, you're parking on the street and there's a drive and you go, come on, you go. How many times I've done that for people and how many times people just look, and they go, and I'm like, God, you know, it's whatever you sow, you reap. You sow anger. Listen, you sow anger in your marriage. That's a whole nother message. But I'll just you sow anger in your marriage. You're going to get answers are going to be angry back at you. You sow peace. You're going to get peace back. Amen. It's just a kingdom principle. You see, it says uh, we are reservoirs of things, but we're, we're not reservoirs. We're conduits of God's resources. Giving is what we do. Why? Because it shows the world we care. 
It's a kingdom principle. You see, it shows the world that our peace is not contingent on what we do or what we don't have. In other words, Matthew, I like what Matthew 6, 31, 33, look what it says. So, what does it say? Do not, what does it say? Do not what? Let me ask you, how many of you got an issue with worry sometimes? Okay. It says, saying, what shall we eat? Some of you, y'all, y'all might ask that question, but you don't look like you missed out much. <laughs> or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And some of us, we don't have that wearing problem. Amen? We got a lot in our closet. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you, what? But seek what? His and His righteousness means right choices. And then I begin to make the right choices that, that please God, that are unselfish. And all these, come on, what? Things. How I many you know sometimes things are just important to us? Things. And be given to you as well. It wasn't until the end of preparing this message that I was hit with the real heart of the story. Thinking about it this morning, and most of us go no further than the fact that Jesus multiplied very little to feed a multitude. That's amazing. That's God's economy. That's without doubt is what what it is, but why? When Jesus landed and he saw the crowd, look at me. And he saw the crowd. This is what it said. He had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. I believe this when he landed on the other side. He was obsessed. He was preoccupied with everyone but himself. That's what giving does. Generosity is the antidote to materialism. And a death sentence to selfishness. Come on. It makes us like Jesus. You know, when I think about this church, when we, call, we started this church, we wanted this church to reflect our community. So that means we didn't just want white folk up in the house. We want to have salt and pepper up in the house. Come on. Ebony and ivory. Why is that? So when people come, they go, oh, this isn't a blank church. This is a people. This is all the people's church. Come on. We used to have two Asians in here. We only got one, Andrew. (laughs) David moved to New Iberia. We're still bitter about that. But anyway. He comes and visits everyone. And he's probably watching this. David, I'm still mad at you. Now, I'm not mad at Megan. She's too sweet, but you. Anyway. Because what happens is when people come in a place, they want to see what's reflective. Come on. They want to see. You know, you can walk into a place. How I many of the Bible says the spirit of man knows the spirit of man? You can walk in front of someone. And the Bible says the eyes are the window. So you can look in some people's eyes and they give you that look. Yeah, what? Like, I ain't going to be friendly. It don't matter what you say. I don't like you. You ever see those looks? Come on. Are there some people that you just go, they just look at you. You go, I like them. I don't even know them. And there are people that are wounded and hurt. You can see that. 
And see, but when you are generous, see, generosity isn't about just our Savior's church. It's about being people of God's kingdom. Say it me, say, ambassador. You know what? You're an ambassador to a kingdom you haven't seen, to a person you haven't met, but you felt his presence. He's brought peace to your life. He's forgiven you of so many of, our, of your sins. Amen? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? That's the kind of God that we serve. He's an unselfish God. You see, here's a question. Some of you go, well, Pastor Bob, I struggle review, reviewing the world with the lenses of not enough. Help me, Pastor Bubba, to live my life open-handedly. Because, see, when we first came here, and I, these are three things that I prayed against for this city. Pride, prejudice, and poverty. How many of you know a lot of those things live in this city? Pride, prejudice, and poverty. I've met all three of them. Poverty is when you hold your hands so tight you can't open it, even if God speaks to you. I've met people like that. And many times that's what a religious spirit has. Thanks for all those amens. Then prejudice. Pastor Bubba, you going to go there? Absolutely. Because when we get to heaven, it's going to be every color in the rainbow, baby. Well, you can. I'm going to go visit. Jamal's going to be in my house. Teach me how to cook. <laughs> Barbecue, I mean. There's going to be people from all different types of background, walks in their lives. Then the next, sometimes, the next thing people say, how could God want abundant life from me, Pastor Bubba? I'm glad. You know, when I come to our Savior's Church in Jennings, y'all ask good questions. So I'll just answer. You know, how many of you say this? Pastor Bubba, I've made some mistakes in my life. Come on, Shai. Raise it up. That's why some of my hair is standing up. The Bible says His grace is sufficient. That means it's more than enough to cover a multitude of sins. Amen? So listen to me. This is not a one-time message. This is a life message. Are you going to live a life of scarcity? Are you scared for the rest of your life? You're going to have the attitude just not enough? Come on. Or are you going to have a different mindset and say, you know what, God? I believe in abundance. I believe in blessing. I believe that, God, if it's blessed by you, anything is possible. Amen? Maybe you came this morning and you said, you know, Pastor Bubba, I've been living a life. And I've been living a life where I don't even feel Jesus has been enough. Listen, I've got good news for you. He's enough. He's, he's like my friend. He used to, we used to preach. He's, he's all you need. He's all you need. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? Maybe you're, this, you're here this morning and say, Pastor Bubba, I, I'm not following Jesus like I know I should. I've been living in scarcity. I've been living in fear. I've been living in doubt. I've been living in shame. You don't know how many sins I have. But this morning, as you begin to share about those things, God began to move in my heart. And I want to push all the chips in the middle of the table of my life. 
I want to surrender to him completely. I don't want to continue to live the life that I'm living right now. I want to live the life that knows peace. I want to live the life that knows freedom. I want to live the life that's not consumed by worry and fear and doubt. Would you pray for me, Pastor Bubba? I want to give my life to Jesus. No one look around. That's you. Would you raise your hand this morning? Say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. I want to thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hands. Anyone else? Let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, say it out loud with me. Lord Jesus, I come this morning. I see my selfishness. My life has been centered around me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins my guilt, my shame. And I'm asking you to come into my heart to have your way to live that I would be born again. I believe you died on the cross for me. It demonstrated your love. Even yet while I was living on my own for myself, that you died for me.